everyone. So we have a uh, topic for today uh, that uh, we want to talk to you all about. And what that is, is how to respond to coworkers' improper processing of equipment. You know, when you see somebody doing something wrong, whether it's uh, in decontamination, the prep assembly, or anywhere in the department. What do you think about that question there, Purnell? What, what are your thoughts? I think it's a, a really good question. And uh, probably a question some people, um, you know, find themselves confronted with, um, you know, seeing a coworker doing something um, differently to the way um, you were thought, taught, um, essentially doing something um, incorrectly. What do you do? Um, well, I think for one, every single technician needs to have, you know, a conscience and something that directs them as a technician. Uh, you have to make sure that whatever you're working on, you're doing it by the book, always. So you have to have a conscience about your work. And you have to follow IFUs. I mean, instructions for use are out there to ensure that people do things the right way. So that's how I would start out on that question, Harry. Yeah, you know, uh, this is, you know, something that I've dealt with many years as a technician, 20 years of being a technician uh, in sterile processing that I would see my coworkers doing something wrong. And it kind of goes back to, you know, 9-11 uh, and the, the response of what we did or what, you know, the saying that was going on at the time after that, where if you see something, say something. And to me, it's everybody's responsibility that if you see something uh, being done improperly uh, that can uh, jeopardize uh, patient safety one way or another or delay a case, you need to say something. Now, typically what I would do is I'd go to my coworkers and I'd let them know that, uh, you know, that uh, what they were doing was incorrect. And I would also try to share with them why. Uh, it was incorrect, you know, share the, the standards with them. Now, don't always get a positive response back from them, you know, in as far as, you know, whether or not they really appreciate what it is uh, that you're saying. So oftentimes, uh, you know, you, you have to give them the first opportunity to be able to respond. Uh, if you get pushback, if they're not willing to do things properly, then at that point, I believe we need to go take it to the next level, make sure our leads are involved, uh, the supervisor or possibly uh, the manager. Uh, uh, because this is just too important of a, of a process that we do on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, because everything that we do can affect uh, the outcome of a procedure, whether it's up in the GI lab, up in the OR, the emergency room, labor and delivery, or even the uh, the patient floors. So yeah, you know, we we need to speak up, you know, and not be afraid. Uh, it's hard. I'm not I'm not going to say that it's easy. It's it's not easy to to stand up and you know put yourself in the middle of the road, so to speak, to be able to do the right thing. 
but uh, you know, anything proper, you know, anything worthwhile is hard in life. Period. Absolutely agree. Again, you know, we work by professional standards. Uh, our instructions for use are our guide. The education that we bring to bear um, should be our guide. The other thing I want to talk about briefly, Harry, too, is how can managers and supervisors affect what we're talking about here? I jotted down a couple of notes. You know, it's something that, that we always talk about. Uh, managers have to be proactive. They have to understand that these are the kinds of issues that you are going to be dealing with. Uh, there are going to be times when people are not going to do things the way they're supposed to do them. So we know that's going to happen. So you have to really set a tone uh, for your department uh, by making it crystal clear that there is zero room for error um, in your department. You have to set that tone. People need to do things by the book. And you also have to let your staff know that if they see something that is not being done correctly, or if they have questions about how certain things are being done, they have to be very comfortable in coming to you and discussing whatever those issues are. So setting the tone in this regard, I think is really important on the part of managers and supervisors. Yeah, a lot of managers, I mean, they talk about, uh, you know, open door policies, uh, but they don't necessarily practice that. In, in other words, when people come to them, uh, it, they act as if it's an imposition on them that they're, uh, you know, that they're bringing something to them. It's like, oh, here we go again. And uh, again, we have to uh, foster a culture of trust. you know, so that our, our staff can trust us to come to us and speak about these issues uh, that are bothering them, whether it's, uh, again, going back to a coworker doing the improper thing um, or, you know, education. You know, another topic or not topic, but on the same question of how can managers affect uh, what's going on in their department is, you know, make sure that you're doing uh, at least bi-monthly training, you know, once every two weeks, you can have a staff meeting, you know, once every two weeks, uh, and then have uh, training sessions where you bring outside vendors so that everybody uh, is aware of, uh, you know, the proper methods in order to do their job. You know, you can bring in specialists to come in and, and train on the standards, the Amy standards that, that we use. You can have the vendors come in and train upon their IFUs, how to access their IFUs, whether it be through their website, through their uh, customer service, or through OneSource Docs, which is, uh, to me, is my go-to uh, tool to be able to have access to most of the IFUs that are available. Um, you know, training, you know, is uh, key as far as I'm concerned. Well, there's no substitute for training. If you want someone to accomplish a goal and you want them to be consistent at it, then there has to be a certain level of training involved. And like you said, Harry, training is key. 
Training is key. So we train, train, train. Yeah. On that note, one of the things that us here at Central Steriliz Sterilization Solution uh, provides is training for sterile processing departments. You know, Pernell, start off by, you know, you know, telling people how you got into uh, sterile processing. Where did you where did you start in the medical career? Well, you know, so before I joined the Navy uh, back in the late 80s, um, I worked in nursing homes as a nursing assistant. And I did this for several years. Um, I loved my job loved my patients. Um, it was my first introduction into the world of medicine. I mean, my mom had been an occupational therapist and had been in healthcare all her life. But so I got a job at a nursing home and that um, kind of started it all for me. Um, I joined the Navy um, uh, a few years after working in nursing homes and became a medical corpsman and was also trained as a surgical technician. So um, I developed my love and interest for everything, surgery and still processing uh, from the United States Navy. So I got my start there. Served in the Navy for 15 years um, in that capacity. And then I got out of the Navy and went directly into managing sterile processing departments um, throughout um, Southern California. Did that for several years and uh, decided I wanted um, a little bit more, wanted to be more free, I guess. So I left that world and went into sales for a little bit. Uh, sold some medical devices, was quite successful at it for a couple of years, um, but then was drawn back to sterile processing um, as, as, a, as a consultant as a uh, content expert, um, met Harry, and um, we've been um, looking at the world of sterile processing through the same lenses um, for a very long time. I think we both have a tremendous amount of passion uh, for the people who do this work and for the art and science that it is. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it's funny how, uh are there are some similar similarities as far, as far as how we got into this uh i myself right out of high school i didn't have any medical background didn't uh, go into any uh nursing homes or anything like that i went straight into the navy uh i as you know pernell i was also a hospital corpsman right. uh did uh, six years four years active two years uh, active reserves and during my active reserves, went into uh, sterile processing um, and uh, was a technician for 20 years before I finally went on and became a supervisor uh, at a uh, facility in Los Angeles uh, where 
you know, and that's where you and I actually had the opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe in our past, you know, we, you know, we, we've seen each other and, and knew each other, but, you know, it was at this one facility that we had actually had the opportunity to work together. And, uh, you know, uh, two years after that went on to become a manager at another facility. And, uh, I think it was, was it around 2011 uh, is when we first started, uh, or 2010 when we first started talking about the school side right. of business, and uh, uh, you know we got uh, I think myself and James, uh, who's not on the broadcast today, you know we actually started- we have to get him on, we have yeah. to get him on, yeah, and uh, and then it was shortly thereafter, you know, Pernell, you got involved uh, on educational side, but your focus has always been consulting for the most right. part. You know, uh, you know, we've had difference of opinions as far as you know uh, where to go, but then then again, we have central sterilization solutions that brings the educational side with a component of the consulting side as well, and Absolutely. so uh, you know that's one of the things I think that, uh, you know, to tell everybody that Pernell and I, you know, just between the two of us, uh, we have close to, you know, 60 years of experience uh, within this field of, uh, you know, working in ORs, sterile processing, and uh, the medical field. And, it, and you know, it just doesn't uh, uh, stop at sterile processing. You know, it includes infection prevention and control. Uh, because uh, in fact, that's what sterile processing does. We we stop the infection uh, for patients before any of our equipment gets to them. So um, you know, I think that that's great. You know, as far as letting people know that you know we are available uh, to be able to come out to facilities anywhere in the nation. And uh, you know, uh, I've been out on assignments several times uh, up in Oregon, uh, different places. You know. Uh, and uh, ultimately, it, it is going to come down to the training. It it, uh, it has to come down to building that trust with your staff um, and letting them know that you support the fact that they speak up, not just to management, but to coworkers as well. Again, there's nothing better than uh, preventing uh, an injury to a patient than when you actually see it happening at the time when something, a mistake is being made and you stop somebody. Uh, perfect example. At the, when I was at tech, I had this one uh, person who, you know, would constantly put through dirty instruments uh, through the washer. And when I'd get them, they're dirty. And I put them back through the, the window and uh, the entire tray. Cause if one instrument's dirty, the whole thing is dirty. And he would get upset with me, you know, and I would tell him, you know, I'd show him the pipe cleaners. Look, it, there's still blood on it. Clean it again. I, I mean, I, had, I think one Do tray. Yeah, one tray. Uh, that's basically what I was telling him. Do your job. Uh, in a nice way, though. But I was, I had to send that one tray back through. I think it was like three or four different times. Mm -hmm. There was another situation. Same employee. Uh, he was about, he just took a load out of the sterilizer had to deliver it to the operating room. This is at a surgery center that I worked at. And uh, he was gonna put it on a metal cart. And so I'm just letting him know, hold on, I'm grabbing a, a towel to put it on the metal cart because it was a solid top. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so that way it wouldn't condensate, you know, to protect the integrity of the package. Right. And uh, he just looked at me and he put it down anyway before I had a chance to put the towel. And uh, so, 
Um, did it delay a, a cause a delay? Yes, uh, primarily because he contaminated it because it did condensate. So mm -hmm. what I did immediately is I just took the tab, ripped it open, and again, he got mm -hmm. upset with me. And I said, hey, I didn't contaminate it. I lifted the tray up and I showed him on, on the, uh, the countertop of the cart is a solid stainless steel. There was moisture there. I said, you contaminated the moment you put it down. I said, and all you had to do was wait a couple of seconds for me to put a towel down for you. I was trying to help you. Yeah. I said, now you can go explain to the doctor, would you like me to explain why his trays are being de uh, delayed? Having policies and procedures and processes in place um, you know, for certain critical tasks is very important. Um, obviously as a manager, the other thing, the other way that we can affect the consistency of the product that we put out, Harry, as you know, we recommend these all the time is by doing audits, right? Yes. Um, you want to make sure you're doing audits at least weekly. Supervisors, leads, managers really need to get into these critical areas like the sink um, and the decontamination area. You really want to take a look at that process um, per technician with a good auditing tool. It is, it, it, it is your job to make sure that you're monitoring um, those critical processes. So I would say along with setting the tone and making sure that your people um, know that they can come to you uh, to tell you what they see, um, the fact that somebody isn't doing this correctly or they have questions about uh, the way something is being done, that's critically um, important to set that tone. They have to want to come to you. Um, but the other thing is, well, you're talking about the audits, you know, being done at least weekly. Absolutely. Yes. You know, and I've seen Pernell where, whereby, uh, you know, managers, they say they do audits, but they do it once a month, once a quarter. And again, it has to be regular audits. If you're not checking weekly, and I don't mean once a week, you go to the department and doing audits. It's once a week, you're doing uh, an audit on a particular employee, but that should actually be, a daily thing, not necessarily that the manager has to do. The, you can get your lead technicians involved in doing the audits. If you have supervisors, if you have an educator, uh, you know, get everybody involved in the ownership of what goes on in uh, your department. And an audits is a great way. And I know that uh, you know, Pernell, we have a, an audit tool 
that uh, when that we give to our customers once we've been hired, that uh, not only tells them you know the step by steps of how to do an audit, but also has the Amy standards uh, built into them as well. So that way, when you're doing an audit with the staff member on cleaning, uh, you're able to then tell them you know you have it right there on the form. Uh, this is what you should be doing. These are the steps based on the IFUs, as well as this particular particular chapter uh, in, let's say, ST79, if it's in decontamination, uh, 91 or 58, depending on whether you're in a low temperature, high temperature sterilization, uh, endoscopes that you're processing. So, you know, the AMI standards, there's so many uh, different standards that are available to you that I think uh, any manager should have in their toolbox uh, along with the audits. And again, that's available to anybody that, uh, you know, that hires us to, to come in. You know, we do mock surveys, you know, to, to see where you're at. And that's when you're going to be able to get the audit tool. Again, if it's not do being done on a regular basis, and uh, again, you said once a week, but, you know, if you, let's say you have 20 employees, then well pick five employees that you're checking that week and another five employees the following week. It, audits don't take that long. Audit, you know, you can do a quick 10, 15 minute audit. It could, it could be a two minute audit, you know, right. depending on what's going on. So it doesn't necessarily, you know, we're not talking about it taking hours and stuff like, you know, for that, you know, to happen. Uh, but it's very important that uh, that we do it on a regular basis. When we see that the, when the staff see that we're going to be doing that and that we're holding them accountable, believe it or not, it's like a child growing up. You know, a child will react badly or uh, or or good depending on the type of attention that you're giving them. And uh, you know, when they act bad, act out badly, it's because you're not paying attention to them. You know, most of the times. And so, the same with the staff. If you're not paying attention to what's going on, you know, uh, some staff will act out in, you know, because we all want to be doing things properly. I don't think anybody ever goes into work thinking that I'm going to mess this up today on purpose. You know, if they do, well, we during those audits, we'll find something like, you know, like that out. we got to either train them up or train them out. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's. You know, we got to, end result is you got to protect the patient. Bottom line, bottom line. And, um, you know, if you're not auditing, um, you should be. Um, and it's important to have a an auditing process in place. Um, you know, and again, we can provide help with that. Um, but again, people should feel comfortable. Um, people should want to speak up when they see things that they question and the environment in the department needs to be such that people feel good doing that. Um, but affecting these critical processes um, by management, like, again, is key. Uh, like Harry was saying, those audits, you have to get in the habit of doing those um, audits on a consistent basis. Um, if you're not already doing so. Outstanding. Well, uh, you know, uh, let me ask you this, Pernell. Do you have any other uh, topics that you want to talk about? Or I think we covered uh, what it is that we wanted to talk about today. Uh, I feel really good about this uh, short show. I think it's uh, we're going up on 25 minutes. And 
sometimes I think some of the shows, they go a little bit too long and people aren't able to uh, actually, uh, you know, stick with us because it ends up being too long. And, you know, it's a, uh, you know, so they'll come watch us later. By the way, I did want to let you know, Pernell, that we have, you know, because we are live, uh, we have at least two people uh, on the show. And, uh, you know, so. Uh, My parents, I'm sure. Yeah. So if you have any uh, questions, you know, this is uh, being broadcasted through Central Sterilization Solutions page. And, uh, you know, send us messages, send me uh, a message through Facebook, LinkedIn. And uh, to get, if you have any questions, any topics you want uh, uh, people to discuss, uh, we're more than willing to, you know, to, if you have a really good topic uh, and you want to be on our show, just let us know. And uh, we'll do a pre-interview, so to speak, to make sure that we've got everything aligned uh, about what we're going to talk about, uh, you know, because... Uh, uh, let's face it, we would like to have the audience be able to participate and, uh, you know, be able to hear their, uh, their voice, you know, so, uh, this is being done under CSS nation is, uh, is our group on Facebook. So any and all sterile processing, uh, professionals feel free, uh, to join the group. Pernell and I are the admins. And, uh, so long as you have a background in sterile processing, doesn't have to be actively working. You could be working for a vendor, but you uh, either support sterile processing or you're in sterile processing. We'd be, uh, love to have you as part of our group on CSS Nation. So um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, at this point, I'd like to shout out uh, some of the up and coming platforms that are out there, people who are out there trying to make a difference with their voices and having people on and discussing um, this topic and topics that mean a lot to us in this field. I think we're you know, very privileged to be in this um, very important and dynamic field. There's a lot of changes going on. I think it's a great time uh, for sterile processing with the technologies um, that are out there right now, but also with these with these platforms um, and the, the the conversations that we can have. So I'd like to shout out people like uh, Sterile MD, who's out there doing his thing. Um, what's the show, Harry, with uh, with Sarah and uh, and the other guy? We have uh, we have. Uh... I know there's Hank Balch out there, the Beyond Clean group. I know Sarah Beyond B has been on their show. Doing big things, yeah. Oh, they're huge. Uh, Sarah B. Cruz, she has her, uh, I'll have to do some more research. I know that she has her own platform where she's uh, doing, I think, uh, podcasting and, uh, you know, a lot of information. She has her own uh, website. Love to get her on the show. Um, but, you know, and some of the... Our friend, we were on with her the other day. She's doing so many big things in the field. You so know, she, she also uh, does a little beer making, right? Oh yeah, there is. Uh, let's see here. I'm gonna. I on SPD. Go check that out. I oh, on yeah. SPD. Huh? Yes, uh, that's uh, I on SPD. That and that person is Solendra. Uh, she's awesome. You know, she's, uh, from the LA area, but she's, I believe she's back in Georgia right now. 
making her beer and stuff like that. It's uh, uh, you know, I might, uh, I'm not a beer drinker, but I just, you know, just for the fun of it, I just might go ahead and get my own, uh, you know, distillery thing to be able to make beer if that's the well, problem. Well, I'm sure she'll help you out with that. I'll tell you what, if, if I'll drink it for you, don't worry. I got you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Selinda Bearfield is the, is her name. I on SP. Yes. I on on with her on the Nards uh, channel. Um, Sterile MD, who's doing doing his the thing. process? Yes, yep, the process. The and process. you know what? Some of the uh, up and coming uh, people in our field that have been our past students. Uh, you have uh, Roxanne from yeah. uh, out in uh, LA area. She's doing the Methodist thing right now, I believe. Yeah, so uh, she's a, a up up and coming star. I truly believe uh, she's doing wonderful things there at Methodist. And uh, in later shows, we will go ahead and highlight and, and give shout outs to some of our past students and other people that we've met uh, in our, uh, our travels. Yeah. <laughs> so back in 1972. <laughs> well, you know, the proper term is my grandfather you would, would have said was back in 1972. 1972. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, that's it for uh, for now, folks. I want to thank you for uh, watching our show. Uh, Purnell, thank you for being on with me. Thank you for being a, a partner. And uh, any last words before we sign off? We'll be back. Have a good one.